So last week, I shared a teaching called The Anointing Destroys the Yoke. The anointing, the presence of God upon us through the Holy Spirit destroys the yoke. The anointing is the the presence of God, God doing what only God can do, but doing it through people, doing it through flesh and blood. We looked at Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus the Christ. He's called the Christ. Christ means the anointed one. And he went about breaking the oppression of the enemy, destroying the yoke. But we're Christians. Christians are little anointed ones. We have that anointing, the anointing of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us to destroy the yoke. So I'm just going to say something that is so amazing. It's almost like too good to be true, but it is true. And that too good to be true news is that with the anointing, that is in believers, we have the power to destroy every yoke, to break off the yoke of sickness, the yoke of pain, the yoke of depression, the yoke of oppression. But we can't do it on our own. We're nothing. It's the Holy Spirit in us, upon us, through us. That's where the power comes from. So as I was teaching on the anointing last week, I was like, wow. I know I taught on the Holy Spirit about a year and a half ago, But I have to share about the Holy Spirit today. I have to share about the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because this is the key. But before I share, I want to tell you how it affected me in my journey when I was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed with that disease. You all know my story. I'm sorry, guys. These earrings got to go. They are making way too much noise. And Kent said, I told you so, honey. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So um, um, about uh, 17 years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. At the very beginning of my journey, I gave my life to Jesus. That's when I first surrendered. Before then, I believed in God with all my heart. I believed in Jesus. I believed in the Holy Spirit. But I didn't have any relationship I didn't know them personally. But within one week after the stage four cancer diagnosis, I was introduced to Jesus. I surrendered to him, and my relationship started to grow. Um, I started reading the Bible for the first time in my life, and I started to read about the Holy Spirit, as well as Jesus and his miracles, of course. But I started to read about the Holy Spirit. And the church that I was going to, it was a faith church, really good church. And the church that I was going to, the Holy Spirit was there, very evidently. So there was signs and wonders. There was powerful, the atmosphere, it was just heavy and thick. When we started praising just now, that just dropped. And when I say dropped, I mean I felt this, this, this almost cloud of his presence that wasn't visible with my eyes, but I could feel it with my spirit. That's what I started to experience at this beautiful faith church that I was attending that I'd never experienced before. And one of the things that they always gave an invitation for every Sunday, they always gave an invitation for salvation if you had never invited Jesus to, 
to be the Lord of your life. But they also gave an invitation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I didn't know what that was. So I have my Jenny. You guys know my Jenny. And I would go to my Jenny and say, Jenny, tell me more. What is this? Tell me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because I had grown up in the Catholic Church, and I had received a sacrament called Confirmation. And I totally believed that I had the Holy Spirit, but I didn't understand what they were talking about. So um, Jenny shared with me in the Word what I'm going to share with you today in great depth. And I remember it was in April. It was in April. I was saved in February. In April, I went to church on that Sunday morning, and I knew I was going to stand up and walk to the front when they invited me for the prayer of baptism of the Holy Spirit, because I wanted everything God had for me. And that's exactly what I did. I went, I received laying on of hands. I wanted this precious gift. I asked, and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues. Now, we're going to talk more about that, especially next week, because this is going to be a two-part teaching. But it, I won't go too much into depth on that part of it today, but I want to tell you how the Bible says that that is one of the evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the evidence that I want to tell you about is how it impacted my life. What I saw in my life was a very quick acceleration spiritually where I was so hungry, so thirsty to know God, to know his word, to grow. There was this huge acceleration. When I was first introduced to the truth of Jesus being the healer, it was really good news compared to my doctor's report, but it was not real to me. I loved it. I was reading it. I was taking it. I was going to church, to this church that taught about healing. I was going and I was taking it in, but it didn't feel real to me. It felt almost like a fairy tale. When I would read the declarations out of the little prayer books, I read them constantly, but they didn't feel real to me. It felt like a fairy tale. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what Jenny was sharing at the very beginning started to happen. There was that, that um, light, just in, enhancing the word, bringing those scriptures that were really good news alive. And it didn't happen immediately. It happened progressively. But it happened very, very quickly. I was, Karen, you were working with me at that time at school, and she saw Cindy change from one person to another. And it was the Holy Spirit I was so excited. There was so much stirring in me. I was, things, for example, things like um, um, strengthening. I felt stronger. Um, uh, uh, Expectation, growing, growing, growing for this really good news about healing that I had been learning about. I still had stage four cancer. PET scans still showed cancer. I had a lot of symptoms in my body that were evidence of cancer. But the Holy Spirit was doing something else inside of me. An expectation, a joy. It was really weird to be going through cancer and have this joy that was unbelievable. It was like, oh, it was was just amazing. I had so much zeal that I couldn't shut up. I mean, I was literally in the school, in the public school, 
And I, I remember my principal, whenever I could get her alone, because we, we worked really closely together, because I was a, a kind of a consultant. We worked together as a, a part of the job. But every time we got together, I had to tell her more about what was going on and more about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she wasn't even saved. And she'd look at me like I was totally crazy. But within one year, within one year after my um, epiphany, whatever you want to call it, my new life, this new creation that happened in me, within one year, she came up to me one day and she said, Cindy, do you have a minute? I said, yeah, I thought it was school business. She says, come into my office. I went into her office. She shut the door. She said, will you pray with me for salvation? Yeah. I sat in that public school office, principal's office, and, and prayed with her the prayer of salvation. And there's, there's a part two of that. I'll tell you more later when I give you more stories about people I've seen baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to continue now with this teaching. Oh, God, you're so good. I just feel your presence right now and the, the anointing that destroys the yoke. One of the ways that the anointing works is by sharing truth. And that's what's happening right now. So, Father, as I share this truth, may the anointing of the truth of this word break the yoke of the enemy's oppression. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to share real briefly um, the history of the Holy Spirit in the Word. This is about as brief as, as, as I'm ever going to be. Okay. So there are, the Holy Spirit was, was with Abba, Father, and Jesus from the very beginning. We don't see him as active until the New Testament dispensation. But he was in the Old Testament as well. But... We see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament only coming upon certain people at certain times for a certain purpose and then lifting. So he wasn't continuously dwelling in people. The reason that the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in people before the New Testament time is because we had a sin nature. Humanity had a sin nature. The sin nature had not yet been judged on Jesus. Sin had not yet been judged. And so an unholy people could not be the temple of a holy God. So he could come upon for a certain purpose for a certain moment, but not within, not to come in and to dwell permanently. So that was the Old Testament dispensation of the Holy Spirit. The word dispensation, just to help you, because I thought I need to know what that means. It means a particular provision. So in the Old Testament, that's how the Holy Spirit was provided by God to the people. Then there was the gospel dispensation. The gospel dispensation took place while Jesus walked on the earth. And we read about this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was a transitional period between the old covenant and the new as far as the Holy Spirit and his presence and his power. Jesus, as we talked last week, was the first man, the first human being to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. Last week we read um, several accounts in Luke and um, we read where he was baptized, water baptized by John the Baptist. And when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. 
And then he was led into the desert by the Spirit for 40 days, tempted by the devil. We talked last week about the anointing that destroys the yoke, right? The enemy was trying to overtake Jesus. He was trying to overcome Jesus. Jesus was the Messiah. The devil didn't want the Messiah. Oh, no. So he was tempting him. He was trying to get him off track, trying to get him to worship him, trying to get him to to go against his father's will. But Jesus had the anointing of the Holy Spirit that destroyed that yoke. Jesus wasn't overcome by that temptation. He overcame the tempter. And then he overcame the oppression of the devil once and for all when he, when he died and he took all the judgment. The enemy was defeated. So Jesus was the anointed one. Um, we're going to go ahead and read um, uh, Acts 10.38. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's what, that's what Jesus' job description was. It literally says in another epistle, it's 1 John at the back of the Bible, 1 John 3, 8. It says, for this purpose, Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And this is how he did it. He went around doing good and healing people. He still does it today. He still does it today. So that was Jesus' role. He was, he was without any sin. So the Holy Spirit of God could inhabit the man, Jesus. But that's not all that happened while Jesus was on the earth. Because he gave us teaching. He gave us tools to know what to expect after he died. Listen to this. John 14, 16. Jesus spoke these words. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So what Jesus did was he started to to tell us, he started to tell his people about the Holy Spirit that was to come. We're going to read lots of those scriptures this week and next. But I want to start with this one. Jesus promised us another helper. The word another in the Greek means another, just like the, of the same kind. Another helper of the same kind, not a different kind. He was referring to the Spirit of God that was like Jesus, not different, but like Jesus. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus, just like Jesus represents the Father. I like to use, I like to take the word represents and pronounce it differently. I like to say this, Jesus represents the Father. He shows us the Father's heart. When we see Jesus, we see the heart of God. But the Holy Spirit that we're talking about today represents Jesus. And Jesus promised us That Holy Spirit that would represent him when he was no longer here in human form. Every single task 
that Jesus did for his apostles, for his disciples, the Holy Spirit does for us now. Let me say that again. Everything Jesus did when he walked on this earth, everything, teaching, healing, casting off demons, compassion, love, help, everything he did when he walked on this earth, the Holy Spirit does for us now. Yeah, that's amazing. The second word, another helper up there, the second word, helper, is the Greek word parakletos. And it's a big word. Um, I'm going to show you this under the amplified because the amplified takes the word helper and it amplifies it into a broader meaning. All of these are components of that word, that Greek word, parakletos. The Holy Spirit is our helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby. And he will be with us forever. He will dwell with us continually. Okay. Last night, as I was sharing this, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit just fell into the place and overtook us as I shared this next part. And I know he's going to do it again. All of these tasks that the Holy Spirit does for us, he's here right now. And as I share about these these attributes or tasks of the Holy Spirit, I believe that he's literally going to impart them right now as I share about them. Amen. The first one is that he's our comforter. He's our comforter. You may have walked into this room needing comfort. And I believe even this moment, he's giving it to you. I expect it. I feel it. I feel his presence right now. He's your comforter. Maybe you need physical comfort. Maybe you need emotional comfort. Maybe you have a really heavy burden that you're carrying. I think he's doing something right now. You feel that burden lifting. You feel that, that almost the warmth of his love, just saying, it's okay, it's okay, I'm, I'm here. He's our comforter. He's also our advocate. This one speaks volumes to me. Because when I was uh, in the public school system, that was my job. I was the general ed advocate. My, my title was learning consultant. But what my, the big part of my job was, was being the advocate for all of the general ed students that needed a little bit of extra help. If kids were tested and went into the spe- special education program, then they were in special ed and they were getting extra help. But there's a whole lot of kids in a school that have a little bit, they need a little bit of extra. And they need somebody to stand up for them. You've probably all wondered how any teacher, grade level teacher, can handle 30, 25, 30 kids and meet all their needs. It's pretty hard to do. My job was to help assure those kids had support. Some of them came to my room 
and I helped them one-on-one -on -one or one-on-three. I usually had groups of three with, with extra support, getting those foundational skills more secure. I also met with parents, with teachers, on how to make accommodations, simple accommodations that would make a great big difference in their lives. I did that for the kids that were at the very needy end, where they were just developmentally a little bit not as, as they weren't average, they were below average. But I also did it for the above average kids, because they have special needs too. All of the curriculum they are, were already pretty familiar with. So I would help to put, put in accommodations in place or provisions in place so that they would be challenged and you know, be able to feel good about their schooling. I also was the advocate for the kids that had behavioral issues or emotional issues. And would, I would help with behavior plans or reward systems or um, something, anything we could do to help those kids. And you know what happened as a result? We saw success. Not always. But many times we saw success. They just needed an advocate. That's what the Holy Spirit is for us. He's our advocate. He knows your special need. He knows that thing about you that you maybe don't even tell anybody. He knows it, and he's there to be your advocate. He's there to, to provide what you need to be lifted up, to feel good about who you are, and to know your identity in Christ. He's our advocate. He's also our teacher. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about Jesus, I, I'm not positive about this, but I believe I've, I've read that he is called teacher, Jesus is called teacher more than any other title. He's our teacher. Now, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. We're going to go into a lot more depth about that in a minute, so I'm going to hold that for now. The next C, I didn't tell you there's this wonderful little acronym, CATCHUS. doesn't even make a real word, but it helps me to remember his attributes. H, he's our helper. He is our helper for everything and anything that we need help with. There's a beautiful scripture in, um, um, I don't remember where it's at, Hebrews 4. And it's a scripture that says we can come boldly before the throne of grace and he's there to help us with his grace and with his mercy. However we need help, he's there. Holy Spirit is our helper. What? I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. I'll get there. Okay. Did I say? Okay. He's our counselor. He's our counselor. You know, one of the things I get to experience when I pray for people is the Holy Spirit is a counselor. I'm not a counselor. I have no background. I have no education. I'm not a counselor. But when I pray for people one-on-one, -on -one, that happens. It's so cool. And I see Holy Spirit doing exactly what the person needs through the prayer, through the ministry, as Holy Spirit leads it. There's counseling going on. So Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's also our intercessor, our intercessor. The heart of an intercessor is joined to the heart of the one 
that needs the prayer with love. You know, I pray for a lot of people on the phone that call me that I've never met. And please don't think that I'm a terrible person. (laughs) But there's just something... I don't have the same connection that I do with the people that I know, that I've met, that I have, you know, have known for so long. There's just something in me that just rises up with this immense compassion. That's intercession. And yes, God can stir that in our heart with the Holy Spirit anytime at any place. That's the Holy Spirit, the intercessor, connected with love. He's our strengthener. Okay, this is for somebody right now that needs strength. He's here to strengthen you. Huge need of so many people in the body of Christ. If you're feeling weak, he's here right now. God, come right now with your strength. You are our strengthener. Thank you, Father, right now that you gird us up, that you build us up, that you pick us up that you help us to meet, to be strong in spirit and soul. I speak physical strength right now. Physical strength over bodies that feel weak, that are broken down, that have been um, attacked in some way. I speak strength over bodies right now. I speak strength over um, physical systems in your body. Wake up. Wake up right now. Be strengthened. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, you are our strengthener. Thank you right now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, strengthening those in need. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just sense his presence. I, I pray, Father, right now, strength in the mind, strength in the emotions, s- strong to overtake the, the ploy of the enemy that wants to um, suppress you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Rise up. Rise up. You are above. You are over. You are strong in the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Holy Spirit is our strengthener. He's our strengthener. He's also our standby. He is always on standby. He is always waiting, ready. But we need to access him. I believe even now at this moment, as we are, uh, as me anyway, I don't know about you, but I am like, just listening, uh, um, uh, sensitive right now. And it's like, I, don't, I just want to let him do his thing. And when you do that, when you're in need and you say, Holy Spirit, I need you now for this. And then just pray in the spirit and let him come and be your helper in whatever area you need at that moment. In this scripture, back to the scripture, it says he will be with you forever. Jesus promised us that. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. In the 
previous um, translation, it says he will dwell with us continually. Dwell means to make his permanent residence in us. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't leave us. It doesn't matter whether we feel his presence or not. The truth is that he is with us and he doesn't leave us. And that's really good news. That's amazing news. Um, Let's see, where am I? Um, When Jesus spoke this, when he said that the Holy Spirit will dwell with us forever, he was making a comparison. Jesus knew that he was only going to be on the earth for a short period. But the Holy Spirit, he promised us, would be with us forever. And he is. The Spirit of God, the one just like Jesus, will dwell with us forever. In John 14, verse 20 and 23, Jesus spoke these words. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Listen to that communion. Jesus says, I'm in my Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. And Jesus, this is three verses later, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The triune God will always be with the believer. Wow. So in this this gospel dispensation, Jesus was anointed with the baptism of the Spirit, and then he promised us the Holy Spirit to come. And then he made the way. He made the way by taking all the judgment of sin upon himself so that we could be that temple to host the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the next scripture, this is 1 John 4, verse 10. There's many scriptures that give evidence to this. This is just one. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin and placating his wrath. All the judgment went on Jesus. He made the way for sin to be eliminated, for the nature of sin to be completely removed, for us to have dominion over sin instead of sin having dominion over us. And because of that, we are now um, worthy hosts of the Holy Spirit. So that brings me to today. That brings me to the New Testament dispensation. It started at Pentecost, and it's still true today and until Jesus comes again. We are now in the New Testament dispensation of the Holy Spirit. If you are a son or a daughter of God, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Romans 8, 11 says, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. If you're a believer, that is truth. When we were born again, that February day, all of those years ago, I received Jesus into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. At that time, 
the Holy Spirit did take up residence in me. But there's more. There's more. There is another Holy Spirit experience beyond the new birth. Um, Next week, I'm going to share Pastor Tim's analogy. I'm going to share it now, I guess. Um, I'll share it again next week. He says the difference between a handsaw and a power saw. You have the handsaw at your new birth, at your rebirth, but you have the power saw at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But just as, okay, let me give you some analogies to help you to, to, to receive. Salvation is the will of God for all people, but not all are saved. Because in order to receive the fullness of salvation, we need to know it, and then we need to believe it and receive it. Forgiveness is the same way. We know according to the word that Jesus paid the price to forgive our sins. But even though we know that truth, unless we believe it for ourselves and receive it, it's not, we don't get the benefits. How many people walk through life in condemnation when they are forgiven? Or walk through life with unworthiness when they have been made worthy by the blood of Christ? We need to believe it and receive it in order for to, to receive the benefits, the power of the benefits. The same thing is true with healing. Healing is, according to so many scriptures, according to the word of God, it is his will. I didn't know that before I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I thank God that somebody started to tell me truth because I would not be here today. Healing is part of the present, the precious gift of salvation. It's part of so-so. Jesus paid for it by the stripes on his back. He fulfilled that part of, the, of the, the promise when he died for us. But if we don't know it, and if, we, if it's not real, if we don't believe it, if it's not real in our heart and we receive it, then that truth, even though it's true, we don't receive the benefits. The same is true of this amazing baptism of the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about today. It's biblical. I'm going to show you. It's biblical. It's powerful. It's amazing. I'm going to give you knowledge of the truth in the Bible. But unless you take that knowledge, believe it, receive it, the benefits won't help that you won't have the benefits. So let's look at it. There are seven references to the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Four of them are in the four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of when Jesus was baptized in water. And John spoke these words. John the Baptist spoke these words. He said, I baptize with water. But we go to the next scripture, honey. Did I skip? No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not on here. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then two of the four accounts say he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Four times it's repeated. All four gospels it's repeated. 
John the Baptist says, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There are, again, seven um, references where they specifically use, where the Bible specifically uses the term baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read one more today and I'll read some more next week. This is Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. A couple verses later, he continues, he says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So Jesus is promising. He's saying, Okay, that promise I talked about is coming. This took place after Jesus had paid the price for our salvation. He had been crucified. He had died. He had resurrected. He had um, been on the earth in his resurrected body and had shown himself to about 500 people. He was with a bunch of those people right here. And before he ascended into heaven, he says, okay, wait. Remember the thing I told you about the promise? Wait until you've received it. He said, John baptized with water, but soon you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when you are, you're going to have power. You're going to have the power to witness. You're going to have the power to be, the, to, to show the testimony of who I am on this earth after I leave. So, the power. The power of this baptism. Let me just tell you where we're going to go. I'm going to share, for the rest of this time, I'm going to share the, one of the two great benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The first great benefit is we will be strengthened spiritually. Remember when I told you how my whole life accelerated, everything changed? That's what happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit within for you personally. The second purpose we're going to talk about next week is so the Holy Spirit can work through you with power to do all that Jesus did when he walked on this earth. To preach, to heal, to cast out demons, to um, love with compassion, to minister to people's needs, whatever. Well, everything Jesus did, you have the Holy Spirit to do through you. We're going to talk about that next week. Next week, we're going to talk about um, the process of being filled with the Spirit and praying in tongues. We're going to talk about that next week. So come back for part two next week. But let's continue right now. The power of the Holy Spirit works within us for the purpose of growing and strengthening you spiritually. John 16, 13. Here's the first nugget of how we get strengthened spiritually. Jesus is speaking these words, and he says, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. 
you remember when Jesus said something like, I never say anything unless I hear my father say it? Now we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only says he, whatever he hears, he speaks to us. So we are hearing from God like Jesus heard from his father. We hear through the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit fulfills everything that Jesus fulfilled when he was on this earth. And he reveals to us truth. The Holy Spirit conveys truth from God to us. I want to talk about two kinds of truth. They're both good, but one is better than the other. The first kind of truth is called positional truth. And Jenny, you just nailed this one before, the, before we started our meeting. Positional truth is intellectual, intellectually knowing truth. Bible study is good. When we study the Bible, we um, learn. We learn. We can learn the history of the Bible. We can learn more about Jesus and his character. We can learn if we go deep and study into the, the, the languages. We can learn more about the meanings of some of the Greek and Hebrew words. We can learn about the culture of the people. We can study and learn. And that's all really good. But it's not God's best. So another, another way that we see that positional truth is when we um, take the little scripture books of confessions and we open it up and we read them. That's good, but it's not God's best. Because what that is called, what the Christianese word for that is called mental assent. Mental assent is where we intellectually agree with truth after we have thoughtful consideration where we intellectually agree. You know, in my Bible study, the title is God Says Yes, We Say Amen. So God's part is the promise. Our part is to say amen, to agree with the promise. But agreeing with the promise, just because you intellectually have considered it and you've decided to agree, is not going to breathe life into that promise. And fulfillment into that promise. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit enables to, us to have a higher truth. The, the term I have here is experiential truth. Experiential truth is a heart knowledge. And it comes as the Holy Spirit shows us that truth as the Holy Spirit guides us into that truth. In my life, that happened at the very beginning when I was reading those scriptures and they felt totally like make-believe until the Holy Spirit, over time, made them real to my heart. They became absolutely alive, real, powerful. The Holy Spirit just made them come alive in my heart, not my head, but my heart. It's not intellect that changes things. It's the Holy Spirit. That's one of the huge benefits of the 
the uh, power saw Holy Spirit, not the hand saw Holy Spirit. I want it all. I want the power saw Holy Spirit. I need that depth and power of the Holy Spirit. I depend on that depth and power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do what I do without that kind of power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says only what he has heard from the Father because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are in perfect unity. And as Jenny said, the truth that the Holy Spirit conveys will always agree with the Word of God. Always. If you're hearing a truth that you cannot verify in the Word of God, it is probably not the Holy Spirit that's speaking to you. It may be a spirit, but it's not the Spirit of God. So be cautious. And if you have a question, come and talk to one of our leaders, and we will help to, to let you know if that is in agreement with the Word or not. Because the Holy Spirit and the Word always agree. And there's one more bonus in the scripture. He will also tell you things to come. He will give you insight into the present and into the future. If we listen and we, and we are aware of what he's doing. He's done that for me time and time and time again. And I'm not saying I see into the future. But what it does for me is it gives me um, expectation. Expectation of that promise being mine. And it's real to me. In different seasons, I have different needs that I'm believing for. Right now, the one that's on my heart, the deepest, the strongest, is for our son, Adam, and his fiancee, Marianne, because they're getting married this next week. And I am believing with all my heart that their hearts will be captured by God. Now, they haven't yet been, but I have the assurance of the Holy Spirit. I have an expectation. I'm not afraid. I'm not worried. I'm not striving. I'm not stressing. I am excited knowing it's coming to pass, even though I haven't yet seen it. That's the Holy Spirit showing me his word, his will, and it's real to me in my heart. Amen. So the next thing the Holy Spirit does to build you up spiritually. It's your teacher. He teaches you all things. The scripture shows us that. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. I believe right now It's not me. It's Holy Spirit that's teaching you. Through me, yeah, through me. But it's his anointing, clarifying, illuminating Jesus' words, giving you direction, giving you wisdom. Wisdom is greater than understanding. Wisdom is discernment, perception, And giving you the the ability to take action that changes your life. One of my favorite things about this ministry is when I get to see that take place. I literally get to see lives change in front of my eyes 
because of this, because of Holy Spirit teaching and giving you wisdom, perception, discernment, taking a step. Holy Spirit's right there with you. You're encouraged, taking another step. And before you know it, you're a different person. I have seen many, 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 many multitudes of lives completely changed. You're a big one, Leah. <laughs> Look at that smile. Oh, that, that girl's a new girl. And I could say that about almost everybody in here. But, oh, you, you, you should be in the, the Hall of Fame for a new, new person. Oh, she's awesome. God did that in her. Praise him. Praise him. The next point, the Holy Spirit will reveal the deep things or the mysteries of God to you. This is probably my favorite of all the things that he does to grow me up. This is probably my favorite. Where he reveals revelation knowledge. This is what Jenny was talking about when she was talking about that still small voice. Listen to this word from Corinthians. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The wisdom once hidden from man, but now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. To lift us into the glory of his presence. So when it talks about God's wisdom and this mystery, it's talking about God revealing to us what's important to him. God revealing to us his thoughts, his way, his perfect will, and revealing it to us. It, this wasn't available before the Holy Spirit baptism. It is available for us now. It was hidden. It was a secret. It was a mystery. Because we needed the mind of Christ in order to have that revelation. And people didn't have the mind of Christ until the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For God has unveiled them. That word them refers to the revelations or the mysteries of God. God has unveiled them and revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things diligently, even sounding and measuring the profound depths of God, the divine counsels and things far beyond human understanding. For what person knows the thoughts and motives of a man except the man's spirit within him? So also no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of God so that we may know and understand the wonderful things freely given to us by God. Okay, so this is the way I, I, I perceive this. Nobody can read my mind, my thoughts, except me, unless I choose to tell you, or unless you're my husband. He can read my thoughts, because after 40 years, that's, that's just what happens. But in general... Nobody knows my thoughts unless I tell it to you. They're in me. They're in my heart. They're in my mind. And then it goes on and it says the same thing's true with God. Nobody knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But here's where it gets good. We have the Spirit of God in us. When we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides in us. And because the Holy Spirit resides in us, we can 
get revelation from him. He can share his revelation, his thoughts with us. That's amazing. This scripture goes on. I'm going to read more of it next week. But it goes on and the last line says, we have the mind of Christ. Repeat that after me. I have the mind of Christ. Yes. That's as good as it gets. You may not feel like you have the mind of Christ. You might feel like you've got a messed up mind. (laughs) We need to start believing what God says about us instead of what we think about us. And as we grow in acknowledging the Holy Spirit and what this truth says, and we're going to talk more next week about the benefits of praying in tongues, the, the revelation, the truths just are growing up stronger and stronger in us. Romans eight sixteen, The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. So the Spirit of God, I love this scripture. I'll, I'll, oh. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirit. So there's this communion. The word testify means to show something is true or real, to give proof. The Holy Spirit with our spirit gives proof, gives evidence that we are the children of God. Unless the Holy Spirit breathes life into that scripture, that's going to feel like a fairy tale. Children of God? God? The almighty God? Children of God? Until that's breathed by the Holy Spirit and enlightened by the Holy Spirit, that's just another word on a piece of paper. Because that's just way too big for me to comprehend. But the promise is that the Holy Spirit testifies proves with me, with Cindy Lou, with little old Cindy, together, quit laughing, Kelly, (laughs) proves together that we are the children of God. But the reason, you have a blank on your paper, you don't have children of God. The reason I didn't put children of God in there is because we can put anything in that blank. Anything that God says about us, we can put in that blank. The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit, assuring me that I'm loved. The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit, assuring me that I am the healed of the Lord. The Spirit of God testifies with my spirit, assuring me that I am worthy, that I'm forgiven, that I'm righteous, even when I don't feel worthy, forgiven, or righteous. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's revelation. That's the mind of Christ. That's the heart of God being revealed to our heart.
It changes everything. It's, it's a life changer. And the last point that I want to make is that the Holy Spirit within you, this baptism of the Holy Spirit within you, edifies you. It builds you up spiritually. The word edify means to grow you spiritually, to strengthen you spiritually. There are so many times when you feel weak, when you feel puny, even if you're a believer, even if you know the word, every one of us are susceptible to having times where we just don't feel like the Bible says we are. But the, the, the truth is that the Holy Spirit will edify you when you're in that kind of a place. He'll edify you always. But especially if you're in that place where you're feeling weak or not good enough or whatever, he will build you up. In, I'm going to read two scriptures. The first one is 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks a tongue edifies himself. We're going to talk more about tongues next week. But the truth is that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Spirit is in you, edification is a result. And tongues is a big way to do that. And again, well, I'll give you that more about that next week. The next scripture, Jude 1, verse 20 and 21. We're going to go into this one kind of, I want to share the, the depth of this scripture as he's revealed it to me. The scripture says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. First thing he says is he, he calls you by this beautiful term of endearment. Kathy, he says, you're his beloved. He loves you. You're his treasure. And he says that to every one of us here. And then he says, build yourselves up, edify yourselves, strengthen yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. One of the benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is energizing your faith. Your faith is energized. Your faith is empowered the Holy Spirit is powerful. Yep, it's great when the power of God hits you and you feel it all over and, and you know something's happened. That's awesome. But empowering your faith is even bigger. We need to have our faith empowered. And that happens through the Holy Spirit. And then the scripture goes on. There's a comma. There's not a period. And it says, as this is all going on, God says, keep yourselves in the love of God. The word keep is like a gardener. It doesn't just mean uh, what we think keep means. It means to tend, to carefully take care of it. Like a gardener takes care of a garden. He says, tend the love in your heart. Tend my love. Tend the love of God. Faith works through love, knowing God's love. As you're building up yourself in, the, in your faith through the Holy Spirit, Tend that love. Say, God, I know you love me. Pay attention to that love. Stir it up in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you more and more and more and more and more and more because that's how faith works. Knowing is love. And then it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. That term looking doesn't just mean to look with your eyes. It means to accept and to receive. 
that says, accept and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. Mercy means God paid the price for your healing so you don't have to live with sickness. That's mercy. Accept and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads you unto eternal life. Eternal. From today until forever eternal. And that life is the word zoe. Eternal zoe. Forever zoe. Zoe is God's kind of life. Full. The kind of life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. The abundant, overflowing life of God. God's kind of life. But it gets better. Because after you pass from this life into heaven, you have the perfect forever life. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, no more anything except the face-to-face love of God and joy of the Lord and worship forever. Forever, Zoe. So beloved, he's speaking to all of us. Beloved, build yourselves up. Build yourselves up. Energize your faith. Let your faith come alive by praying in the Spirit, acknowledging the Holy Spirit within you. Keep yourself. Tend your heart. Tend the love of God in your heart. Accept and receive the mercy of Jesus, the mercy of what he paid for, which leads you unto forever, Zoe. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. With all of that's within us, we thank you, God. We thank you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, you are amazing. Holy Spirit. Mm. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, it tells us in Acts 2, 29. It tells us this promise is for all of us. It's for you and it's for your children. To all who are near and who all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. And he's called all. The promise is for everyone. Everywhere. Just like it's God's will for all to be saved, it's God's will for all to have the promise. And our part in receiving it is simply to ask. Go to the next scripture, honey. If you then, being evil, that really means a natural person. If you, being a natural person, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, when I was confirmed when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I didn't know all this. I didn't have knowledge of the Holy Spirit. I didn't from my heart hunger and thirst to have all that God had for me. Maybe other people did. I didn't. I know there was something different when I went and I went that Sunday morning and I said, I want everything God has for me. And that's when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So right now, you guys may not all be here next week, so I'm not going to let you go home without offering you the prayer of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we are going to pray right now. Um, if you want all God has for you, and you're not sure if you have the, the, the power saw, maybe you got the hand saw, but you don't know if you have the power saw, Holy Spirit yet, and you want to be sure, all you do is ask. And the promise is that he gives us the Holy Spirit when we ask because he's a good, good father and he doesn't withhold anything good from those who, who believe and ask and receive. Just like salvation, just like forgiveness, just like healing, the same is true with the Holy Spirit. So if that's you and you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit today, I want you to be bold and just stand up right now. We're going to pray for everybody. We're all going to pray together. But if that's you, stand up. Yeah, hunger, thirst. I see hunger. I see thirst. I see people wanting all that God has for them. And that's a really good thing. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. So in the Bible, um, in the book of Acts, Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit baptism is, is all over the place. We see people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul or Peter would go and they would lay hands on the people and they would they pray and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it all the time, right? So that's what we're going to do. Ministry team, we've got people here that are, are wanting to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to lay hands and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I just repeat it after me. After we pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we believe, I believe, that the Holy Spirit is given, period. That's what I believe. Oh, I feel it's really strong. Um, and um, I, Cindy, I'm going to start praying in tongues. I invite you, if you, if, if you feel anything in your, in, your, in your body, just or in your head or whatever, release any words God gives you because it is more often than not, the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to, but you got to. And there's all sorts of benefits. So we're going to pray in tongues, everybody here that is baptized in the Spirit. And then you're going to see, I'm going to just flow from this prayer into ministry. And you're going to see how the power of God just moves. Holy God, we just worship you right now. We adore you right now. We thank you right now for who you are. We thank you for your word of truth that you have just poured out here tonight. God, I am anticipating the pouring out of your Holy Spirit in these hearts of the people who are yearning for more of you, God, who want all of you and all that you have for them. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, Father God... I'm here right now asking for your Holy Spirit. I want to be immersed in your Spirit. I want to be baptized in your Spirit with the fullness of your Spirit for power to witness, power to grow up spiritually, power for you to flow through me like a pipe, bringing healing to others and anything else you want to give. I believe, God, you said it in your word. I believe it, and that settles it. 
So fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to receive it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So be it done unto you according to the word of God in Jesus' name. So be it done unto you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are just pouring into these souls and into these hearts and into these minds. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are inhabiting the temple of these people. Thank you, Father God, that your Holy Spirit is alive and powerful right here, right now. And now I'm just going to start praying in the Holy Spirit, and I encourage you to do the same. Iscaliara corro corro mostara si alara, scorro shoto si aliara, iscaliaria corio shoto moriara, la rashoto, scoria shata si aliara. We magnify you, God, we glorify you, God, we thank you, God. O saliara coria si alara, corra shoto maria. Go ahead and if there's anything bubbling up, any syllables at all. Just let them come out. If there's not, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's still there. You'll see that you can speak and then stop speaking in tongues. You have control over yourself. The thing is, you, you want to. Father, I thank you for edifying people right now, building them up right now, encouraging them right now, strengthening them right now. Is anybody having pain in their um, lower abdomen? I'm feeling it on my left side, but in my abdomen. Anybody have anything like that going on in their body? Okay, I'm feeling that right now. I believe God's healing that right now. Put your hands on it. Ministry team, just a couple people. Our Kathy and Linda over there. 